As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Getting ready for a jam-packed Week 6 weekend on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Hey everyone, welcome into Fantasy Football in 15 here at The Athletic. It is Friday, October 16th. We are ready to start the weekend and kick off week six. I am Michael Beller. I am joined by Derek Van Riper, DVR. How you doing, my man? Doing well. Excited for another great weekend of matchups. We've said this a couple times this week. Week six looks so much better on paper than week five did, and that has me amped up. Yeah, it's like a throwback to our childhood too, right? No Thursday night game this week. So, you know, I wish it wasn't canceled <laughs> for the reason that it was canceled for or pushed back for the reason that it was pushed back for. But uh, I'm kind of looking forward to this jam-packed weekend uh, with that didn't have a game on Thursday. We've got two games on Monday. We've got a full slate of action on Sunday. I wish that it wasn't so unbalanced with the uh, number of games that are kicking off at 1 Eastern and the number that are in the late uh, slate. But looking forward to what's going to be even more wall-to-wall of a week than we're used to seeing yeah absolutely and uh, hopefully things keep tracking in the right direction it looks like Falcons Vikings is at least at the time of this recording going to happen as planned that's one of the more exciting games from a fantasy perspective on the slate this week yeah, well, I uh, hope, so. hope that game can definitely stick around for a million reasons, and uh, the excitement of it and the fun of it definitely is one of them. Let's start with the game that was supposed to have happened yesterday and now will be on Monday Night Football, one of two games on Monday night. The first game, the Bills and the Chiefs in a huge showdown in the AFC. A couple of Bills who missed last week's loss to the Titans practiced fully on Thursday. They are John Brown, who has a knee injury, and Zach Moss, who has now missed a couple of games with a toe injury. So those guys looking like they should be good to go for this game on Monday night. Obviously, maybe you're going to make some lineup decisions without knowing for sure, but are you basically starting everyone in Bill's Chiefs? It feels like the sort of game that could be up and down with the way Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are playing, have a lot of numbers being put up on the board. feels like very fertile fantasy ground for this one on Monday. It really does. It's fun to have another team in that mix each and every week, but the Bills have absolutely justified that uh, with what they've done to this point in the season. It's fun watching Josh Allen's ascent to be one of the league's most exciting quarterbacks and one of the better fantasy quarterbacks as well. 
Uh, I think the guy you mentioned, Zach Moss, is maybe one of the few previous regulars who I'm still a little hesitant to buy into. I just wonder if they'll break him in somewhat carefully, if they'll still lean pretty heavily on Devin Singletary this weekend, even with Moss likely to return. I think the big question from this game, though, comes on the Kansas City side, right? I mean, Sammy Watkins has that hamstring injury. Who really steps up? Is it Cole Hardman, or is it somebody else that gets elevated and, and gets a start who might have previously been on your bench? Agree with you totally on Zach Moss. I wouldn't be throwing him into my lineup just yet. I think everyone else who uh, you are excited about in this game, you should be playing. And I think McCall Hardman, Derek, is included in that group of guys. Sammy Watkins hasn't been super productive since what he did in week one, since uh, his annual week one performance, right? He's the best receiver in the NFL in week one, and then he's like the 40th best receiver in the NFL for the rest of the season. Uh, But he's still out there a ton for the Chiefs. He's third on this team in routes. He's third on this team, at least among the pass catchers, in snaps behind, obviously, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And so those are routes that aren't just going to disappear. They're not going to fall off the face of the earth. The Chiefs aren't going to suddenly morph into some 12-personnel team because Sammy Watkins is hurt. Those are snaps and routes that are going to be played and run by someone else. And with all due respect to Demarcus Robinson, I don't see how McCole Hardman isn't the guy who gets the most of those. He's just such another headache of a player for defenses to have to think about when you're already thinking about Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes when he gets out of the pocket and Clyde Edwards LR and everything that this offense can do and wants to do. McCole Hardman with his speed is such a dangerous weapon and you know not only am I really interested in him for as long as Sammy Watkins is out Derek but I'm wondering if this is a window for him. If this is an opportunity for him to show Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy to prove that he is more than just a bit player, more than a complimentary uh, speed guy in this offense, and that he can be a consistent, you know, down in and down out sort of weapon for this team. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the key, right? Has he improved enough as a route runner to be used as more than a deep threat? I think he's shown some signs of that already this season. We've seen the target share actually kind of tick up at times. If you look at him compared to Demarcus Robinson to the last three games, Hardman's had a larger target share by a pretty decent margin. So I do think he's the guy who's truly the next player up for this opportunity. And I'm pretty optimistic, especially in this matchup against the Bills. Very exciting game. The first game of two on Monday night, Bills and Chiefs, and then our nightcap on Monday night and our final game in week six, Cardinals and Cowboys, even with Dak Prescott taken out of that game, that too should be a really fun game. So not only a Monday night doubleheader uh, to kick off next week, but I'll wrap up week six, but what should be a very fun one with those four teams in action. DJ Chark, one of many players who is still not practicing because of an injury. He suffered an ankle injury last week in the Jaguars loss to the Texans. He has not practiced all week, so looking like we might be without DJ Chark for week six. That's a simple one, Derek. He plays for the Jaguars. He plays for you. He doesn't play for the Jaguars. You go find someone else. They did get LaVisca Chenault back into practice on Thursday, but the guy who I really want to talk about here is Gardner Minshew, because Minshew is quietly, you know, one of the steadiest low-end QB1s, high-end QB2 with QB1 potential uh, quarterbacks that we have in the fantasy game. You look at his game logs this season, you've got four out of five with at least two touchdowns. You've got three 300-yard games. You have someone who's always a threat to at least add you know, two, two and a half, three points with his legs. This year, he's given you four out of five games with at least 18 rushing yards. So not a lot, probably not going to swing your game, but we're talking about half of a touchdown pass added onto his stat line because of what he does with his legs. I keep saying out of five, right? Well, that fifth game 
when he did not look good against Miami, a Thursday night loss to the Dolphins, 275 yards in that game, six and a half yards per attempt, no touchdowns, one interception. That's the one game he's played this season without DJ Chark. That was a game Chark had to miss because of injury already previously this year. So for me, Derek, this is almost like a light switch. If Chark is in, I feel decent about Minshew. If Chark is out, I think I'd go looking elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Chark and Minshew in DFS and in season long if Chark goes this week, and I kind of stay away from Minshew entirely if Chark doesn't go. I think he is so important to this offense that it does make a difference. We're talking about a lineup, or a matchup rather, against the Lions that is middle of the road, right? If you look at Jake Seeley's adjusted points allowed, the Lions 18.2 finishes them 15th among 28 teams there, so it's it's not a bad matchup. It's not a great matchup. So in that case, you need your number one receiver out there if you're going to play Gardner Minshew this week. And, you know, the other guys who have filled in in Jacksonville have done a nice job. LaVisca Chenault is showing himself to be, you know, who we thought he was back during our draft season, back during NFL draft season. He's an interesting piece, and he's had a couple of games in a row here now where he's given you at least 79 receiving yards. And uh, with him returning to practice in limited fashion on Thursday, good sign that he'll be available on Sunday and, you know, can, you know, serve as a de facto wide receiver one. And then you've got Keelan Cole, who can also do the same and has been uh, effective for the, for the Jaguars with what they ask of him but none of those guys uh, can do what DJ Chark does and there's a real domino effect from taking Chark out of the lineup there are some offenses that can still hum along mostly at what they uh, do without a big time wide receiver Uh, Dallas comes to mind right if they lost Amari Cooper CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup could keep that offense doing basically what it does even Atlanta with Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage and Olamide Zacchaeus obviously none of those guys is Julio Jones is a 100% Julio Jones but they can still mostly do what they want to do if we take what we saw from Jacksonville back in week three against a Miami defense that doesn't really scare anyone it feels like this is an offense that really can fall apart with the loss of DJ Chark and maybe so startled I just dropped my pen you probably heard that in the background so (laughs) really don't want to be playing without DJ Chark but if we are without DJ Chark we probably have to assume that Gardner Minshew is better left on your fantasy bench looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 US-based live customer service from Discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, Derek, Melvin Gordon returned to practice for the Broncos on Thursday. As of this recording, still no word as to if he will play for the Broncos uh, against the Patriots on Sunday, but that's something we will keep our eye on on Friday and Saturday to give you the quick Reader's Digest recap. Uh, Derek and I talked about this on Wednesday's show. We both feel good about Philip Lindsay. Basically, regardless, feel like both of these guys are in RB2 flex range if they both play. Of course, if Gordon is out, Philip Lindsay becomes a very easy start. And even against that Patriots defense, Derek, potentially, 
potentially an interesting pivot in DFS contests. Baker Mayfield suffered a rib injury in the Browns win last week. He is trending in the right direction, according to offensive coordinator Alex Van Pelt, but a very tough matchup on Sunday going up against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Huge game in the AFC North, and really that's the way it should be, right? The Browns have been a doormat for too long. The NFL just feels more fun when its classic franchises are competitive and love to see a 4-0 Steelers team going up against a 4-1 Browns team in what is a monster game uh, in Week 6. Huge implications already in this one. Who are we trusting uh, on Cleveland side from this game? And who are we trusting on Pittsburgh side for that matter? Because we got Deontay Johnson back in practice on Thursday. He practiced in a limited fashion uh, in his absence. Chase Claypool had his four touchdown coming out party. So a lot of moving parts in this game, Derek. Let's start, I guess, on Cleveland side. Who do you feel good about in this one? And who are you thinking twice about? I'd really like all the receivers in this game because looking at Jake's uh, APA list again, you look at the Steelers and Browns, they're one and two in terms of their matchups this week going up against each other. So uh, the only thing that does complicate things is the distribution of targets for the Steelers. If Johnson plays, how much do you trust Chase Claypool? But Claypool showed us so much last week against the Eagles. It seems weird to think the Steelers would dial back his role in the game plan. I think he's a more dynamic player than any of the pass catchers they have. That might even include Juju Smith-Schuster in terms of his physical talent to be that big and that fast and that capable of making big plays downfield, especially with the attention that Juju is going to draw. Usually he's going to see top coverage. Chase Claypool is in a fantastic situation. So I love OBJ on the other side. Um, you know, I'm not really worried uh, about anybody in the passing games. The running backs get good enough volume. You know, With Nick Chubb out, you trust Kareem Hunt. James Conner gets a ton of work. I think this game is going to be a lot of fun, a really good shootout for the AFC North. Yeah, I, I think I, I'm with you pretty much across the board here. I mean, there are some obvious guys who we don't even need to mention, and I think you're right about Chase Claypool. Um, we have a fantasy a football beat writer roundtable up for you on the site here on this Friday. And if you're not a subscriber and you want to read that roundtable, go to theathletic.com slash football in 15. You can get yourself $1 a month subscription right there and you can read this roundtable. Uh, Mark Caballi, our Steelers reporter, I the question I put to him was basically, can Chase Claypool still have a meaningful role in the offense when both Juju and Deontay Johnson are healthy? And his answer was, basically, the Steelers have no choice. You can't watch a guy do what Claypool did in week five and then have you know your guys who were technically ahead of him on the depth chart both be out there and say oh well well you know you you put up 110 yards and four touchdowns uh, with 10 11 opportunities to touch the ball but you know these other guys are healthy so you're gonna have to go back into a bit role like that is just not going to get it done and the Steelers are a team that have proven to us year over year over year that they know how to draft and develop receivers and it's basically the same infrastructure right I mean Mike Tomlin has been in Pittsburgh forever there are people probably listening to this who have been playing fantasy football uh, for 10 years who don't even remember the Steelers before Mike Tomlin was their coach right a whole generation of football fans behind you and me DVR who only have known Mike Tomlin as the Steelers coach and obviously there's been some misses in their uh, in their drafting of wide receivers, but there have been far more hits uh, than you see from the average team in rounds, basically one all the way through seven. And, you know, Chase Claypool is just looking like another great find for this franchise. So I do think that he has to remain involved. I would feel pretty good about him. I would actually be leery of Deontay Johnson only because that he's had this injury now and he's had a couple of injuries this season. So it makes me feel a little bit, uh, a little bit wary of him. But another great game 
on the week six slate. It does feel like we are being treated to a very fun one after what we saw in week five. It really does. And I mean, I'm looking at the Deontay Johnson target volume, the two games where he was totally healthy, 23 targets in those first two games. Like, mm-hmm. He's not going to disappear completely. But I think the Steelers offense can sustain three pass catchers most weeks, especially in weeks where the matchup is as good as this one for this group of receivers. All right, really quick, because we got to wrap things up here to stay within our 15 minutes or, you know, 16 minutes, whatever it might be. Are we a tiny bit worried about Juju now? A little Just bit. Just from a I volume mean, standpoint? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he can't be a monster getting 10 targets every week if he has a really good guy working out of the slot in Johnson and a more explosive player opposite him on the outside who's a threat to you know, take eight-plus targets each week as well. I, it's good for their offense as a whole, but it definitely seems like it lowers Juju Smith-Schuster's ceiling just a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Good for that offense. Good for Ben Roethlisberger. Maybe a tiny bit bad for Juju Smith-Schuster. We're getting out of here on a good note. Stephon Gilmore removed from the COVID-19 reserve list on Thursday, so he will be back out there with the Patriots when they take on the Broncos on Sunday. Good news for humanity, of course, to see anything like this happen with anyone who gets uh, diagnosed with COVID-19. Bad news, perhaps, for those Denver Broncos pass catchers. We are wrapping things up, not only for this episode, but for the week on Fantasy Football in 15. You can still check us out, as you know, on our other shows, the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. DVR will have DVR and I, excuse me, will have some DFS for you on today's show. And be sure to check out the Athletic Fantasy Cheat Sheet on Sunday. That is the two of us, Jake Seeley and Brandon Funston, taking you all the way up to kickoff. We'll be with you live for 90 minutes. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, really anywhere you can stream athletic content. You can find us from 11 a.m. Eastern to 12.30 p.m. Eastern, taking you up to kickoff for week six. For DVR, I am Michael Beller. Fantasy Football in 15 will be back with you next week. Until then, thanks for listening and have a great weekend.